You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. My name is John Bush, and today I'm going to be presenting to you some really important information about what I believe to be the best strategy that we have for finding liberty in our lifetimes, for really creating a more free world for ourselves, and for future generations to enjoy. I've been doing activism for nearly 20 years now, and in that time I've tried a whole lot of different strategic approaches to freedom and activism and the pursuit of truth and peace. And I'm gonna share some of that experience with you, but I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of that activism was just banging my head against the wall. And traditionally I, I dealt with normal style tyranny that everyone kind of grew accustomed to the police state, the income tax, all that crazy stuff. And now we have this really new scary phenomenon called technocracy. This is an idea that's been around for quite some time, but the technology is finally available to really implement a pretty nightmarish surveillance society. And so today I want to make the case by showing you five powerful reasons that we should exit the big cities and build community in rural areas, right? Now this isn't going to be for everyone and I've already gotten some pushback within my own community. Uh, Some people even refer to it as cowardly to want to abandon the big cities. In fact, I got an email from someone uh, inferring that I'm a coward for promoting this strategy uh, and they want to figure out ways to take back New York State for the cause of freedom and I mean sometimes strategically when you're in a war whether it's an information war or a war for the future of humanity whether it's going to be this slavish indoctrinated coerced, manipulated surveillance society or a genuinely free society where human beings live in harmony with one another and in harmony with nature, sometimes you just kind of have to seed ground in certain areas. And unfortunately, the city of New York and the state of New York and California here in the U.S., there are certain areas in this world that we have an opportunity to vote with our feet. And while we still can, right, Unfortunately, our brothers and sisters in Australia, there's a strong freedom cell community in Australia. They're not able to leave their country, their island anymore. Uh, At least for the time being, they can't vote with their feet. They're stuck there. So while we do have that liberty to pack up and get the heck out of Dodge, I think some folks, especially those that are in the tyrannical oppressive areas run by communist regimes, literally and figuratively, or at least getting to communism, uh, we should we should back the heck out. So again, I'm going to share those five different things. And I want to invite you guys, uh, coming up on November 6th and 7th, we are hosting myself, my business, Live Free Academy, along with the Central Texas Freedom Cell Network. We are doing a summit. It's a free summit. It's called the Exit and Build Land Acquisition and Community Development Summit. Again, it's taking place November 6th and 7th. You can register for free by going to exitandbuildlandsummit.com, exitandbuildlandsummit.com. I linked there in the show notes, also in the Telegram uh, post that I have. And you can check that out. We're going to have a great time. Uh, Again, it's totally free to attend on on Saturday. We do have some paid events taking place on Sunday. If you want to dive a little bit deeper, we're bringing in all sorts of experts, over a dozen speakers that are going to present to us. And we are going to hear from none other than Joel Salatin. He's speaking on Sunday. We're going to hear, there he is right there, Joel Salatin and Polyface Farms. This guy's a total rebel and he's going to teach us a lot of great stuff about intentional community and some 
really innovative models that they have there. We're going to hear from Jack Spierko of the Survival Podcast, Marjorie Wildcraft. She's built Intentional Community here in Texas in the past. Cynthia Tina, she's the head of the Foundation for Intentional Communities. She's really going to break down a lot of best practices for intentional communities. Uh, the one and only Derek Bros of the Greater Reset and the Conscious Resistance Network. He's going to talk about exit and build, smart cities, and why he thinks Mexico is a great place to escape to. Uh, Ted Rao of Sociocracy. This is a great means of organizing society and uh, people making decisions together without coercion, without being compelled. Nicole Sauce, she's up in Tennessee. They have an intentional community where folks live on their own land, but they also cooperate and work together. And, you know, it's going to be a gathering of people. We're going to provide information and wisdom, but really what I hope to do is inspire and empower people to embark on this path. I've been a part of multiple different communities and movements in the past, the Liberty community, unschooling families, uh, and now this cool crypto agorist, anarchist community. And uh, often people have desired to live in an intentional community to exit the city and to build intentional communities with their friends and family with like-minded people. And they often struggle to make that vision a reality for one reason or another. We're going to talk about some of those objections now and in the future. And what I hope to do with this summit is uh, provide the tools, knowledge, and inspiration necessary in order to make this vision a reality. Again, you can go to exitandbuildlandsummit.com. That's exitandbuildlandsummit.com. And uh, I hope that you'll take part. If you're watching on uh, YouTube, be sure to subscribe and hit that like button. We're also, I think we're streaming on Odyssey. It's my first time to stream on Odyssey. It's an alternative blockchain-based application. Uh, so check us out there. We're also streaming on DLive. Shout out to the Conscious Resistance DLive. Uh, we got Hamid Amini connecting from Sweden. I will be monitoring the chat and the comments. So feel free to leave your comments. We'll have a conversation. And again, I want to appreciate, uh, thank everyone for, for tuning in. All right, let's, uh, let's hit the whiteboard here. So I'm going to break down these five reasons why you should exit the big city and move out to the country, buy land, build community. The very first reason I want to point out, let's, we're going to do five reasons to exit. and build, right? Exit and build, for those not familiar, is a strategy for creating more freedom. Man, I gotta work on that handwriting. So there's all sorts of strategies to go about creating more freedom, to create a better world, right? People involved get involved in politics, people go protest. There's some people that call for violent action, which I definitely am not fond of or a fan of. Uh, but the strategy that I prefer is what's called exit and build. All right, so you exit tyrannical, oppressive, centralized, coercive institutions and organizations, and you build decentralized, voluntary, regenerative, permaculture-based institutions to replace the ones that you just exited, right? It can be exit and build, or it can be build, we build first so that we may exit, okay? And what we're talking about now is exiting the smart cities, exiting the big cities, and building communities in rural areas more outside in the country. And I think a big reason, the first reason on my list of five reasons is because tyranny, just good old fashioned tyranny seems to be carried out in the big cities more so than in the rural areas. I'm talking about police state, right? Traditional police state, you got the cops cruising down, you have the ticketing, you have people being harassed, you have people being killed uh, for traffic violations, especially marginalized communities. There's a tendency for that to happen. There's all sorts of federal programs where military equipment, like Humvees, Bearcats is one example. This is a big, uh, there's programs. It's, it's a federal to local pipeline. It often comes in the form of grant money. And these big cities and these major municipal police departments are just bringing in all sorts of crazy equipment and all sorts of tools and weapons of war that are being launched upon the citizenry, right? Now, I want to make it crystal clear here. I'm not saying that you just move out to the country or the rural areas and all of a sudden the sheriff's department is like uh, Andy Griffith, right? 
Um, but the larger cities have larger budgets, take on more federal grants, and there's a lot more tyranny taking place in those regards. There's cracking down on protests, all sorts of stuff, right? Also, what's worse than the big cities, taxation. I mean, it's no surprise that most big cities are controlled by big government Democrats, right? I'm not a left-right paradigm guy. I haven't been since 2006. I thought that I was a Democrat maybe because George W. Bush took the United States to war. And I was like, well, I got to vote for John Kerry in 2004. He's going to end the war. And hopefully the Democrats take control of the Congress and the Senate. Sure enough, they did, right, with Nancy Pelosi. Everyone's familiar with her from nowadays, but she's been around for quite some time. And they promised that they were going to end the war in Iraq, but instead they just expanded the war in Iraq and increased the budget. Haven't been in the left-right paradigm since then, but I do believe, generally speaking, that when Democrats control a specific geographic area, they tend to bring in more programs, they tend to spend more money, and they tend to have higher taxes. Contrast that with a conservative regime, which just doesn't really exist in any, any major cities, maybe a couple major cities in the country, in the conservative counties or the smaller rural areas, there tends to be less taxation because there's less entitlement programs, there's less big parks and recreation departments and all sorts of nonsense, right? That is one department, right? If there were to be government, like, all right, maintain the parks, maybe we'll pay a little bit of money for that, some fees, but we don't want the health and human services, we don't need the municipal police, we can take care of ourselves. You're doing a terrible job of taking care of the roads. Somebody could probably do it better, private institutions. But nonetheless, taxation is much greater in the cities as it is in the rural areas. On top of taxation, what also, also comes with taxation is regulation. There's always greater regulation taking place in the big cities than in the rural areas. And these regulations take all sorts of forms. If you're trying to run a business, right? I used to run an underground bookstore in central Texas, ran it for two years. It's called Brave New Books. And we started selling Kratom. Uh, you can check it out at mybravebotanicals.com. That's one of my companies. We sold Kratom and we wanted to give people samples of this Kratom, right? So when they would come in, we would pour up Kratom shots. We started selling them. Uh, we would just mix it up there. They would be able to sample different types. They'd be able to take a drink of the Kratom. Helps with relaxation, stress, anxiety. It feels good, right? But it's not getting you drunk. It's not like alcohol. It's not really bad for you. And sure enough, after we're doing that for a month or two, the local health department came in and they wanted to shake us down, insisting that we had to have some sort of food permit or we would have to be a restaurant establishment. When all we were doing was taking a little bit of plant powder, putting some water, stirring it up, right? So of course, I'm not one to just bow to bureaucrats. Uh, this is a great story actually. So I pushed back, I said, hold on a second, show me the law, right? I don't know how many people know Aaron Russo's America Freedom to Fascism, but the whole thing with the income tax was like, show me the law, show me the law. And it turns out it's actually voluntary compliance here in the US. So I said, show me the law. What is this ordinance? What is it that you speak of that says I'm required to have some sort of permit or license in order to sell these this little plant medicine stuff? And sure enough, they couldn't really point to a law, but finally some higher up in the legal department sent me this law and they referenced it. And what did it say? It said, you cannot sell uh, prepackaged goods. No, it, it says you can't sell food items without getting one of these permits. And there was an exception. Prepackaged food was an exception. So what did we do? Well, we got these little mason jars that have a lid. So when they would come in to get the shot, we would put the powder in this little mason jar. It's a small little mason jar with a sealable lid. We'd put the water in, we'd shake it up. And now all of a sudden it's prepackaged. So before we would exchange money for this little drink here, it would be packaged. At least that's what I said, right? The bureaucrats sure enough came back. I sat them down with my two staff people right next to me, Emilio and Krista. They remember this. We recorded the audio. It was great. And I basically told them to pound sand. And then I said, look, guys, if you're going to communicate with me anymore, I'm not going to respond to anything. In fact, if you continue to communicate and harass me, I'm going to bill you for the time that you're taking away from me. I'm not going to respond to any letters unless it's from the city legal department. Thank you very much. And they went away. But nonetheless, not everyone stands up to bureaucrats like I do. I actually enjoy it. Knock on wood. I'm not, I don't want to invite any bureaucrats in my life, I should say. But a lot of people 
get harassed and they bow down to the bureaucrats. The point is in these county areas, in rural counties, smaller towns, they don't really have the budget to go harassing the small vendors. Again, I'm not gonna say 100%, there's total freedom, but relative to the big cities, it's a big difference. You know, we're talking about building community, we're talking about buying land, we're talking about getting out there and uh, building intentional communities or maybe people buy their own property and then they link up and they eat dinner together and they support one another. That's what Nicole Sauce is gonna talk about. I see some folks uh, shouting out from East Tennessee, Lisa Davis. I hope you'll check us out, exitandbuildlandsummit.com, exitandbuildlandsummit.com. Nicole Sauce, she's with Living Free in Tennessee. They have their own intentional community there. Shout out to Patrick from Australia. That's my man, staying strong. Definitely solidarity with the folks out in Australia. He says, we still have a lot of bushland to move to. Most definitely get the hell out of Sydney and all those, the craziness going on. My heart goes out to you, uh, freedom people in Australia. All right, so another problem is like building codes, especially in the liberal Democrat controlled cities. They just have a tendency to be all up in your grill, totally bothering you with building codes. And now that we see this Agenda 21, this new environmental control regime coming in, they are making it even more difficult with like how many windows you can have, how many you can't have, all the power consumption requirements, all this stuff. When you exit the city and you go out in the country, you find it's a lot easier to build a desirable property, a desirable home or dwelling on your property, whether it's tiny homes, right? Tiny homes. My lovely fiance, she is going to be presenting at this workshop at the summit and she uh, sells tiny homes for a living in this tiny home community, intentional community. In fact, it's one of the biggest tiny home communities uh, in the world. And the city of Austin and the county of Travis and the state of Texas, they don't know what the hell to do with these tiny homes because they're not really, there's no solid designation for them. They're classified as recreational vehicles, right? But it's like, what do we, what do we property tax them? No property tax, is it an RV? Is it a dwelling? How long are they living there? It's just all this nonsense. And the point is if you get the heck out of the country, into the country, in the rural areas, the bureaucrats are none the wiser if you plop yourself down on a nice little piece of land. On top of all the building code nonsense, you also have to worry about nanny state stuff. I remember in the city of Austin, I'm born and raised in the city of Austin, and I finally had to get the heck out of there to a neighboring county. I should say, I should have started with this. I lived in the city of Austin my entire life. I'm 37 years old. I enjoyed it. Um, it was a beautiful place. There's lots of recreational things to do, lots of live music and stuff. But the city has descended as the government has gotten more and more hard left, like controlling, conniving, communist style hard left. Uh, the city's really gone downhill. Affordability is a big issue. They removed this homeless camping ban and it just this huge homeless population sprung up from all around the country. They would come to the city of Austin, totally controlling. I'm about to talk about the COVID stuff here in a second. It was absolutely ridiculous, but I finally had to get the heck out of there. So me and my fiance, my then girlfriend, we made a commitment that we were going to buy land together and we were going to build an intentional community. I'm very excited to share that four months ago, we purchased a 10 acre homestead about 45 minutes away from downtown Austin, closer to another small community in the surrounding area. And it's totally been a night and day lifestyle change. I'm gonna talk about another reason is the overall quality of life living in the country compared to the big city. But man, I lived in the city of Austin and I remember they passed an ordinance banning the sale of little kittens at a park, for example. You know how sometimes you have a pet cat and it doesn't get spayed or neutered and it has a, a, a litter of kittens or you have a puppy, right? I know they were probably going after puppy mills or whatever, but sure enough, it was illegal for you to sit there with a little box and the sign, like an old staple of Americana life and sell the kittens or the puppies. They made that illegal. That's just the tip of the iceberg, the nanny state, especially in more hard left places. Now this is a state government thing in California as I started off with, I strongly encourage people to vote with their feet, whether it's moving out of an oppressive country or moving out of an oppressive territory within a country. But in the state of California, they just passed this weird legislation where large stores, large retailers are required to have gender neutral zones in their store, right? Now, I'm all for someone wanting to express their identity however they want or whatever, right? Like it, if someone wants to be, I will honor their being, right? But 
to use government coercion and force to compel a business to, to not have pink or blue stuff in a certain section. It's just absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how it even benefits anyone, but that's just a news story that I saw recently that came to mind. This example of this oppressive, tyrannical, nanny state nonsense that really just doesn't make any sense at all. And when it comes to the nanny state too, in the big cities, you have people that like to get up all in your business and rat you out for violations of whatever. Maybe you have a big homeowners association and you didn't put your trash out in the right place or you'd put it on the side of the house instead of in the garage behind this, that, or the other. I mean, come on. When you get out in the rural area, you have more room, right? We have some neighbors to the side of us, but they're way the hell over there. One, of, There's a huge property in between us and one of our neighbors. And that neighbor is a cool, laid back, conservative guy. They're big Trumpers, right? I'm not a big Trump guy, but I prefer to live next to a Trump guy than a Biden guy. But as soon as we moved in, they came over, gave us a phone call. Whenever we go out of town, we ask them to watch the property, make sure there's nothing suspicious going on. Uh, they have a trailer they're going to let us use to pick up some equipment so we can do some stuff on the property. Like it's a great relationship. The other folks we've never even met besides we hear, we hear them occasionally when they have like a party or something, but if they're good people far away in the city, everyone's all up in each other's grill. And if you have someone that likes to feel self-important by turning people in for this, that, and the other, uh, that's going to be a problem that's much more prevalent in the big city. So this is just traditional tyranny that I've been talking about. Traditional style. This is stuff that we grew up with that everyone's used to by now. But we have a very new form of tyranny that's coming in. And this is my second important reason to get the hell out of the big cities. And that second important reason is a little ugly thing I like to call technocracy. It's not what I like to call it. That's what it's called. Technocracy and COVID mandates. We have entered a new era, ladies and gentlemen. And excuse the handwriting again. I try to write fast so I can, I don't have my back to you, but I guess I have this microphone here. So it doesn't matter if my back's to you because you can still hear me, but nonetheless, technocracy and COVID mandates. These are much more authoritarian and prevalent and in your face and hardcore in the big cities. What is technocracy? Technocracy is a system of governance, system of control really, where it's ruled by experts and technocrats and scientists. It's a scientific dictatorship. It's not ruled by politicians, which I don't prefer either. I prefer self-governance. I prefer to rule myself, right? I prefer for anarchy, which is without rulers. It's not chaos or violence. It's without rulers, without a coercive hierarchy. But technocracy, it's an idea that emerged in the early 1900s and it was written off as like weird and kooky, right? But after, what was it, after the Great Depression or after World War I, people were getting together like, man, these politicians are really running us into the ground and they're spending and they're bringing us into these big, violent, oppressive wars. Maybe we could do something better. Maybe we should let the scientists make the decisions in society, right? It got shunned away, went underground, then started getting financed slowly but surely. And now it's springing up in major ways, right? Technocracy is what the Great Reset is bringing about. I want to remind you, we're doing another Great Reset, a Greater Reset, I should say, the Greater Reset 3, right? We've done two before. The Greater Reset is our response to the Great Reset, where we want people to come together and to feel empowered and to push back on what's taking place. It's taking place in January. So go to thegreaterreset.org, thegreaterreset.org, where you can hear our response to the Great Reset. But what is the Great Reset? Well, the Great Reset essentially is a program being put out by the World Economic Forum, the W. EF. All right. And what they aim to do is reshape business government uh, and technology, essentially. Here's where the technocracy comes into play.
they want to reshape business. They want to make it more centralized. They want to reshape government, more centralized, reshape technology, more centralized, more controlling, more coercive, right? And a big part of this great reset agenda, it's basically like a marketing plan for New World Order 2.0. There's always been for many years now, over a hundred years, there's been a desire to create a centralized global government. Well, the great reset aims to do just that but they're trying to market it as though it's going to be so beneficial for everyone. It's going to create more equity and it's going to be so good for the environment and it's going to help the little guy. When in reality, nothing could be further from the truth. A big frightening part of the Great Reset agenda is what's called the Fourth Industrial Revolution. This Fourth Industrial Revolution, there's been previous industrial revolutions, right? And we enter the information age and manufacturing, all sorts of stuff, right? And steel. But this new industrial revolution, the fourth industrial revolution, aims to merge biology, which is all living things, right? It aims to merge biology plus technology. Not just human beings. Think Neuralink. Neuralink is a perfect example of fourth industrial revolution. Microsoft has a planetary supercomputer that they're rolling out where they want to track and trace and catalog every bit of biodiversity on Earth, right? I've done other videos on the Great Reset. I'm, I'm digressing here, but let's focus really on the smart cities, okay? Let me just show you something that really points out and illustrates what it is that I'm trying to uh, explain here. There's an article, so I'm going to look up World Economic Forum. And own nothing 2030. Now, this was an article that was on their website. However, it got taken down. The title of this article was The Year is 2030. Welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. Right? This same article was on the World Economic Forum's website, but they took it down. I think is pretty interesting, right? I just shared it there in the comments. So check this out. Welcome to the year 2030. Welcome to my city, or should I, I say our city? I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes. Might seem odd to you, but it makes perfect sense for us in the city. Everything you considered a product has now become a service. We have access to transportation, accommodation, food, and all the things we need in our daily lives. One by one, all of these things became free, so it ended up not making much sense for us to own much. The first, communi first communication became digitized and free to everyone. Then when clean energy became free, things started to move quickly. Transportation dropped dramatically in price. Essentially what they describe is a situation where people rent things. Uh, you, you rent your home. You don't have items. When you're not using your home, if you're out enjoying leisure, someone else uses your home and your couch. It, it's absolutely nuts. And this is the propaganda that was put out in 2016. This is what the Great Reset is aiming for. There's this great part. I want to just read this because this is really what it's all about. And this is what the summit is all about. Again, you can go to exitandbuildlandsummit.com, exitandbuildlandsummit.com. I strongly encourage you to check that out. That is where we are coming together and we are educating and inspiring people to exit the smart cities and build intentional communities, exitandbuildlandsummit.com. Once you register for the free summit, you have an opportunity to dive deeper with us, hear from Joel Salatin, do an intentional community speed dating so we can link you up with other people that are looking to move out to the country so you guys can pull your resources and make this more uh, attainable. But here's a really cool part of this article, which I think describes myself and our community. My biggest concern is all the people who do not live in our city, those we lost along the way, those who decided it became too much all this technology, those who felt obsolete and useless when robots and AI took over big parts of our jobs, those who got upset with the political system and turned against it. Here it is, ready? This sums it all up, what I'm aiming to do here. They live different kinds of lives outside the city. Some have formed little self-supplying communities. Others just stayed in the empty and abandoned houses in small 19th century villages. Once in a while, I get annoyed about the fact I have no real privacy, nowhere I can go and not be registered. I know that somewhere everything I do, think, and dream of is recorded. I just hope that nobody will use it against me. Oh, it's absolutely 
nutso. But what I want to point out is that most of this is going to be carried out in the big cities. And there's this concept of a smart city, right? A smart city. They want to connect city life with IoT, the Internet of Things. There's this new phenomenon where there's interconnectivity amongst all the devices, right? And I want to point out, like, we technology exists and technology benefits our lives in many ways. There's something useful. I don't have a smart refrigerator, right? But there's something cool about the idea where your refrigerator, when the eggs get low or the milk gets low, it automatically gets ordered and shipped to you. That seems convenient, right? If there was a privacy-based Alexa that wasn't Amazon snooping on me or Google, whatever, Siri or whatever, that seems like it would be useful. I would consider that if it was encrypted and totally private, just telling something to add this to the to-do list or put this on my calendar or put this song on, right? I won't have anything to do with it. And it actually creeps me out that so many people have this Amazon Alexa stuff in their house. But the point I want to make is that there is beneficial uses to technology and the improvement of technology and connecting technology. But the way that this is being played out and those sinister forces like the World Economic Forum, for example, and the Rockefeller Foundation, they have different aims for this interconnectivity of technology, the internet of things, which again is going to be carried out primarily in the city. Their aims are control and surveillance, right? Imagine having your smartphone constantly pinging, not just the cell phone towers where you travel all around, which is already happening right now, tracked and traced, pretty simple. Unless you get one of these phones like my buddy Ramiro Romani is promoting, the above phone. We, I'm going to interview him later on and teach you guys all about that. But now that they're going to have all these 5G towers that are going to be able to process much more data all throughout the city, imagine driving down the street and you're pinging the stoplight, you're pinging the street lamp that also has cameras all over it, that also has microphones all over it, and it's telling whatever supercomputer everything that you're doing throughout your day. Now check this out. We all see where a lot of this stuff is going. I'm going to share about the COVID mandates here in a second. But there's such a big push for this vaccine passport technology, right? And we all know there's all this mission creep and slippery slope. It's not a fallacy. It's very real when it comes to the tyranny being rolled out. It's my belief that this vaccine passport technology is being implemented so that it can be expanded in scope, right? They sell it to you. They sell it to the public as some means of addressing some health crisis, some perceived health crisis. And they start it with that use case. But then sure enough, it gets added to your carbon credits, right? Health, this viral thing is the new thing. Carbon and environmentalism is always has been a means of bringing about coercion, control and surveillance for quite some time. So imagine you have your vaccine passport. It's all tracked and and, and cap and I was going to say tracked and traded like cap and trade, right? It's all tracked and traced, right? And as you're going about your life, Turns out your activity, your commute, your consumption, you ended up using more carbon than you were allotted for that day. And that's all tracked and traced, right? So you go to try to hop in your automobile and your automobile's turned off. You're not able to travel anymore because you used your allotted amount, right? Or imagine this gets coupled with the social credit score system. We all know Agenda 21, right? That's something that I've been studying and talking to city council for since 2011. Now it's shifted into the 2030 agenda with all these sustainable development goals. But a big part of that was to eliminate the private automobile and to make everyone dependent on public transportation. And imagine this scenario, right? You have your little pass or you have a little chip in it, right? Or RFID chip. And when you go to use public transportation or go to the concert, you're denied entry because your social credit score has dipped because you've been visiting undesirable websites or because your carbon allotment, you've exceeded your carbon allotment, right? This is all stuff that's being talked about. They're even talking about climate lockdowns now. Some total a-holes were like, wow, the carbon output went down when everyone was locked down in their homes. We should consider utilizing this strategy in order to save the environment, right? This is all scary stuff. Again, this smart cities, internet of things, it's all taking place in the city. Contrast that with the small town on the outskirts, 5,000 people. There's not all this crazy technology going on. There's not a bunch of technocrats. That's also one of the reasons why Agenda 21 aims to herd people into compact cities. Let me show you something else real quick. This is something called the Wildlands Project. I'd love for you folks to 
research this, look deeper. Maybe there's folks that haven't even heard about Agenda 21. I should do another video on it in a while. Um, someone just said that, uh, Lynn says, excellent talk. I'm looking for a community to join. Definitely check us out at exitandbuildlandsummit.com, exitandbuildlandsummit.com. When you do sign up for that summit, you're invited to join our Telegram group. And our Telegram group has over 180 people right now and growing every single day as we promote this summit. And it's all just people that are working together, supporting one another. Then again, if you purchase the integration, the immersion integration package, the summit's free on Saturday, but on Sunday, we're diving deeper. We have an immersion integration package. We'd love for you to check that out. We're going to do intentional community speed dating. So we'll very much make it uh, very easy to link you up with like-minded people that you can build community with. But let me show you the uh, Wildlands project and what the Agenda 21 program is, is aiming to do. So Agenda 21 was a document that was created in 1992 at the Rio de Janeiro Earth Summit, and many of the world, uh, many of the world's countries signed on to it. George H.W. Bush, the original Bush, uh, was the one pushing it in the United States. It wasn't signed by this treaty uh, by the U by the U.S. Senate. It wasn't like a treaty. But take a look at this. So this this is a simulated map. This is taking data from Agenda 21 from the uh, bi Global bio Biological Diversity Assessment uh, and from all these different UN documents. And if, if it were to be carried out, this is what it would look like. Now, this is what they're aiming for right here, and this is already taking place. The red areas are restricted wildlife corridors. No human use in these red areas. They want to rewild it. That's why it's called the Wildlands Project. Then you have these yellow areas that are buffer zones where there's no human use whatsoever, limited human use. Then you have these normal zones, which are green. And finally, you can see the cities. They're the black ones there. These cities are where everyone's supposed to be herded into. See the little city dot there? So the goal is to get people out of the country, right? The goal is to get you to own nothing and be happy. So what I say we should do instead is own land and be free, right? We could tell these technocrats and Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and the Rockefeller Foundation to shove it. We are going to buy land. We are going to build community and we are going to exit and get the heck out of your control paradigm. Again, the smart cities uh, agenda is very much in full effect. And I do believe that it is going to be responsible for a great deal of tyranny in our lives that already is responsible for a great deal, great deal of tyranny. Now, the other thing I wanted to point out along with the technocracy is these COVID mandates, right? So my uh, ex-wife lived a couple hours away from me shortly after we split up, right? We had equal custody. But there was a lot of driving that was taking place. I lived in the city of Austin and when I would go to meet her halfway to pick up the kids, I noticed this is uh, last year in 2020 lockdowns in full effect. Uh, everyone's all freaked out, right? There's all these weird waves going on and, and people were freaking out. And there's mask mandates. This is even when there was a mask mandate in the state of Texas, right? Thankfully, Governor Abbott has since pushed back. But I really noticed when you're in the city of Austin, it's like 95% mask wearing, right? Less so now, which is great, um, but still pretty ridiculous, even though you're not required to wear it. But as you drove east outside of Austin into the surrounding counties, you all of a sudden see fewer masks and fewer closed up businesses and more hugs and more handshakes. It's night and day when it comes to this COVID nonsense, when it comes to the way people behave, when it comes to the way people react. We're close to the city of Bastrop and they have a beautiful downtown area. And a few days ago, we had breakfast at this awesome restaurant, no masks, not a mask in sight, packed house. And I noticed downtown Bastrop, there's a bookstore across the street. I used to run a bookstore. I like books. I love to read. So I was like, hey, let's go check out this bookstore. And of course, as I'm walking in, I see mask required inside. But a lot of times businesses just have that to save face, I guess. Uh, so we walk in and sure enough, uh, I said, you guys have a business section or anything on marketing and entrepreneurship? Oh, yeah, it's right over here. But you have to put a mask on. There's some right at the door if you don't have one. And I said, oh, you're requiring mask? No, thanks. I just turned around and walked away. But that was an anomaly. It was an exception to the rule that this store in the small town was requiring a mask. Everyone else doesn't give a damn about it. And it's a very beautiful thing. So when it comes to this COVID lockdown, when it comes to the mandates, when it comes to people freaking out about it, the further you get away from the big cities, the more lax, the more chill, 
the more relaxed people are about it. They're not freaking the F out, causing all sorts of problems. Now, on that note, I want to bring up the third reason that I have for exiting the big cities and moving out to the country. And that is, in my opinion, you will enjoy a better quality of life. Like I shared earlier, I recently moved to a small rural community. We are about 15 minutes away from a small town that has a population of around 6,000. So we still get to go to the local grocery store. There's still some restaurants. There's still some live music, right? Got the heck out of Austin, one of the biggest cities in the country. And I've experienced a great increase in the quality of life. You know, something that's cool, right? It's a catch 22, but we got the place and we move out there and on your phone, you go and you look at the Wi-Fi, right? Click Wi-Fi. If you're in the city, especially if you're downtown somewhere, it's like 50 Wi-Fi routers all around you, just, just blasting out that Wi-Fi. Well, out of our property, there's not one that even would be picked up. Now, like I said, it's a catch-22. We have terrible internet service out there, right? But it's all, you know, we have an AT&T hotspot that we can use. And when you put it in a certain area on the front porch, we can connect and stream a little bit. But it's actually been a blessing not to have the Roku and all the devices all the time and been good for the kiddos to get out more. But uh, when you're out in the rural areas, it's just a different flow, right? You can wake up with the sun. You maybe got some roosters in the background. You don't have to sit in traffic all the time. That's something that like we went to, a, I, I spoke at Derek Bros's activation tour in Dallas. That's an even bigger city than Austin. It's one of the biggest cities in the world. And man, it was, the traffic was just nuts. It's just such a waste of time just sitting there. Now I try to be in control of my life, not be a victim. So whenever I have a long commute or traffic, I'll put some uh, audio books and do some learning and stuff like that. So I try not to get all frustrated about it, but it's a pain in the ass, especially if you have a long commute. Now contrast that with Bastrop where it's like, if there's any bit of traffic, like on one road, we're like, whoa, what's going on? Was there an accident? Is there an event taking place? It's just cruising all around very leisurely. It's very beautiful. Now, when it comes to waiting at restaurants, usually in the city of Austin, you gotta sit there, you gotta wait forever. It's just on big cities. It's like this all over the place. Now I will say, even in the small town, because of all this crazy communism taking place, uh, people not working, there's staffing shortages. So even in the small town, it's taking a little bit longer to eat at restaurants, I've noticed. Uh, hopefully that's not a phenomenon that's here to stay. I, I think that things are actually gonna get worse before they get better, but the quality of life is better. You're not all on top of one another like you would be in a condo or an apartment, right? Everyone has a lot more space. Not ever, There's no snoopy neighbors, right? There's more nature in the rural areas. There's less pollution, there's less smog. It's more fresh, more fresh air. It's incredible. There's this whole city lifestyle too, having to go through the traffic and a lot of the careers that people choose in the city. It's just go, 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 go. It's busy, right? Now, I tend to be go, go, go regardless, even though I live in a rural area because I'm a very driven person, an ambitious person, but it's just, it's just hectic and there's like an energy, right? I'm very tuned in with energy and the energy in the city is like really sharp and it's like, the energy in the rural areas is like like the hills, the rolling hills, like chill, let's just go with the flow. There are fewer big box stores, although they're there when you gotta go to the Best Buy or whatever, they're there for your needs, but there's also more mom and pop shops. And I think that's a very beautiful thing, the local businesses, All right? So that's my third reason. The quality of life, in my opinion, tends to be better. Now, what I would recommend if you are to move out to the area, and again, you can go to exitandbuildlandsummit.com, exitandbuildlandsummit.com. It's our intention to educate and empower you to do just this. Also to help you with some stuff, like one of the things I'm gonna talk about is to go and really get into money mindset because I know one of the biggest objections that people have is how am I gonna afford it? How can I afford a down payment? I'm struggling to make ends meet right now. Well, I wanna help people smash through some of those limiting beliefs but also we're gonna bring people together. We're building a community here, right? And we're gonna bring people together. So imagine, you know, you have a property that costs $250,000, which is very doable in many areas, or even $500,000. And the down payment is really five or 10%. Sometimes it's 20% if you're buying raw land, but if you buy one with a house on it, five or 10%. So if you get a group of people together, right? Let's say it's a $250,000 place. You want to put 10% down. That's $25,000. You bring five people together. You save up 5,000 bucks. 
maybe it takes a year, maybe it takes six months, but if we set our sights, if we begin with the end in mind, if we make goals, if we take massive action, we can accomplish these things, right? So this is all just my opinion again. Uh, I've been an activist for nearly 20 years now, and I've tried a variety of different strategies in order to create more freedom in my life and more freedom in the world. And I strongly believe after all that time, researching, analyzing, reading books, participating in agorism and activism, I strongly believe that one of the best shots we have for finding freedom is to get out of the cities and to build these communities. Now, here's another reason why I think it's a good idea to get out of the cities and into the country. Food production and off-grid living will also couple in this one uh, shit hitting the fan. Food production, off-grid, and S-H-T-F. If shit hits the fan in whatever fashion, shit's already hitting the fan, man. We had these crazy lockdowns. We had these crazy shortages. The shortages were bad with all the COVID lockdown stuff and everyone freaking out and buying toilet paper of all things. But now we're seeing some major supply chain issues. I don't know if anyone follows the Ice Age farmer, Christian Westbrook, but he's really on point with the analysis of all that. And it's just getting bad. It's getting worse. It's getting exacerbated. It's getting compounded. And it's like such a fragile system because it's so centralized. Again, we advocate decentralization, which is more anti-fragile and more resilient. The cities are fragile. The supply chains can break and crash. And if there's civil unrest in the city, it's much more prevalent than in the rural areas, right? And it's not just the supply chain issues that we're experiencing. But remember all these crazy riots that took place with all this Black Lives Matter stuff, right? Some of it was organic. Some of it was uh, Marxist and all sorts of ugliness, right? But there was chaos in many downtown centers. That didn't take place in the rural communities. In fact, my friend Justin Armand went to a Black Lives Matter protest in New Braunfels, a smaller town way south of Austin, and it was totally peaceful. It was what a protest should be. It was people having conversations, waving signs. There was no rioting. There was no storming through the streets. It wasn't like a lot of these cities are powder kegs where everyone's pissed off. They're downtrodden. They're desperate. And then the lockdowns happened. They couldn't go to church. They couldn't commune. They couldn't relieve stress by being with their fellow human beings. And it just popped off, right? If that happens, it's going to, the, the difficulty is going to take place in the big city, not in the rural areas. And to contrast that too, if there's roving gangs or if there's freaking uh, Antifa, Antifa or whatever going in small towns, people aren't going to put up with it. They're well armed. They just don't deal with that kind of shit. Okay. So if there's civil unrest, you're going to want to be outside of the big cities. And I can pretty much guarantee that there's going to be more civil unrest in your future. It's easier to get off the grid. When you have more land and more space, you can grow more food, right? We just had a Freedom Cell uh, permaculture blitz on my property. There was eight of us, including two, my, me and my fiance. There were six people that came and volunteered and we got some garden beds taken care of. We finally, uh, I laid out this big tarp on this huge giant area and it's such a big area. I'm like, well, this is overwhelming. It's gonna take a lot of work. No way I'm gonna be able to do this myself. But we got three garden beds done and we planted them with all sorts of good things. And you're able to grow your own food. There's more water tables to tap into. Many of the major cities won't even let you tap a well. You're not even allowed to even if you wanted to. If there even was a water table underneath you that wasn't polluted with all sorts of BS and industry, right? It's easier to get off grid. If crap hits the fan, you're going to want to be out there in the rural areas. Your neighbor may have a tractor. There's people that can grow food. There's local farmers communities. Again, this all exists in the city, but it's just easier to do it in the rural communities, I would say, in my humble opinion. All right. Let me take some comments here. Try to keep these things to one hour, but I still got a little bit more to share with you. But let's see what's going on in the comments. Again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. This is the Live Free Now show. I uh, strongly encourage you to go to exitandbuildlandsummit.com. That's exit and buildlandsummit.com and sign up for our free summit. Jeffrey McLean says, hey, John, just shared with a group that just finished a four-day in Kissimmee on communities. This is right This is right for our starting point try. Uh, not sure what you were saying there at the end, but I was just in Kissimmee, actually, at the, uh, what was it called? 
the Gaylord retreat for this Funnel Hacking Live thing. I'm super excited that there's people that are meeting and, and building this out. I was going to say earlier, you know, one thing you could do if you still enjoy, because the city does have its benefits, arts, uh, nice restaurants, concerts, right? Although a lot of the concerts are all vaccine passport nonsense kind of stuff now. Um, you can position yourself so you're still, you know, 45 minutes away or an hour away from a major city. You're just out in the rural areas surrounding it. Ideally, you're relatively close to a smaller town, so you can go out to eat, so you can get groceries and supplies, right? But you're away from the big major city. That's something that I would recommend. We're still close enough to Austin to drive there to visit family and stuff, but we're far enough away. If crap were to hit the fan, we wouldn't necessarily be uh, impacted by it like folks in the city most definitely uh, would be. Okay, all right. Thank you, everyone, for your comments. Again, um, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can do that at livefreenow.show. That's livefreenow.show. And make sure you go over to Exit and Build Land Summit, Exit and Build Land Summit, so you can sign up for our free summit taking place November 6th. Okay, let me drop my last reason why you should exit the cities and build community in rural area. And that is intentional communities. Now, this is a loaded term, and it means different things to different people. But for me, what it means is simply what it says, a community that's built around a certain intention, right? Now, this can take a couple different forms. This can be people going in cooperatively to purchase land and live on the same land, right? Or it can be this person lives over there on that part of town. This person lives in this neighborhood. This person lives on the same block over here. We all have our own property, but we're going to build community together. We're going to do potlucks every week. This guy over here raises the chickens. I got the nice farm going with all the vegetables. This guy has a tractor that he inherited. We're going to trade amongst ourselves. We're going to support one another. We're going to cooperate together. We're going to build shared value based on shared values. And someone that's going to be presenting, uh, Nicole Sauce in Tennessee, she's doing just that. It's not a bunch of people that are living on the same property. It's a community with people in the same area. But being in rural areas, there's a lot more cooperation that takes place. There's a lot more opportunity that takes place to build community, not just with like-minded people that are intentionally moving somewhere. But on top of that, you can build community with the folks that are already in your town. A lot of people are like, let's go in and take over this town, right? And then that leads to all sorts of problems and tension. But rather, if you go in and you add value to the town, or you go help someone, or you go show up and volunteer, you build those relationships like we're building with our neighbor, and he's offering to let us use his, his trailer and all sorts of stuff and watch after the property. It's a good connection that's being built there. And in small communities and small rural areas, that exists, right? There's enough land for people to go in and purchase large swaths of land. Now, imagine some of these benefits of an of a intentional community. There's strength in numbers. If crap hits the fan, we like the number eight in the Freedom Cell Network. It's a great number for creativity, right? So imagine you have eight people living on a property. Crap hits the fan. You guys can squat up and protect your property, protect your food storage, protect your family, right? Uh, another great reason is there's more hands to help grow the food. It's really hard to do stuff alone. In fact, it's nearly impossible to, to become self-sufficient on your own, right? That term self-sufficient is kind of a misnomer because you can't really, it's really difficult to be sufficient on your own, really have to rely on other human beings. And being out in the rural areas or living in a community together, everyone can have different skills, different things that they bring to the table, right? One thing, you know, I'm a great leader, but I don't have the time every day to go tend to the garden. That's where my son comes in, but he's with me every other week, right? So I'm gonna bring on more community members Someone can take focus and take lead on the garden. Another person can take focus on the schoolhouse, right? Which is another great reason. Moving to rural area. Again, this can be done in the city, but when you do it in the rural areas, you can do it with land, space, more room to grow food, right? More room for multiple houses or to have a second building that can act as the schoolhouse. See, all these people up in arms about the local school board voting for mask mandates. And I'm just like, what the hell do you expect? That's what this program is. These are indoctrination centers. They're not there to create independent, critical thinking, free, sovereign beings. They're there to create good citizens that don't question authority. And so everyone's all up in arms and freaking out. It's like, why don't you pull your damn kids out of those government schools 
and create homeschool co-ops, right? Living in intentional communities, you can create a community intentionally for the purpose of raising sovereign, healthy, happy kids, right? You can have the schoolhouse there. And these parents take lead on this day and the other parents take lead on this day or whatever. It's a beautiful opportunity. The kids play together. Uh, my ex-wife lives in an intentional community up in North Bastrop in a big forest. It's like 180 acres. The kids have friends there and they basically frolic through the forest all day. They do homeschool on a few days or they have a homeschool co-op that they meet, right? And they homeschool the other days, get all sorts of play, all sorts of exploration, learning about nature, growing their own food. It's an absolutely beautiful, wonderful thing, right? Intentional community. Now, I've laid out a whole lot of reasons on why I think we should exit the cities and build communities. And now, before I let you go, I just want to share some uh, big picture vision that I have, a big picture strategic vision, okay? I would like to see the creation of a confederation of sorts, a confederation of intentional communities where enough people exit the big cities, build community together, whether it's buying land cooperatively and living on the same property or a multitude of different properties in the same area where everyone's linked up, supporting one another and on the same page. And we form all these communities on the outskirts of town. Check this out. So here's, like this is Austin, right? Austin is a very long, slender city and there's a highway going through it here there's a highway there here you go up to dallas that's supposed to be an arrow dallas is up here san antonio's over here houston's over here right so this is the central texas area i would like to see intention an intentional community here we build an intentional community here there's folks in this hill country freedom cell group our good friend uh, Rita Quinn just purchased land up here. Our land's right around here, right? There's intentional communities over here. We link up these intentional communities to form one great big community. And no, it's not a nation state. There's no governance going on, but it's a confederation. It's people cooperating with one another. It's a confederation of intentional communities. We form trade routes with one another. We have our own supply chains. We have our own infrastructure. We have our own commercial, we have our own builders, we have our own development, we have our own financial mechanisms, we can create our own currencies, right? We have our own folks that handle security and defense, we have the village elders that handle justice and dispute resolution. I mean, this is what I'm talking about, big picture-wise, right? I'm a, I'm a big thinker, and I'm a very, uh, I believe that we can, we can create our own reality. I believe that if we, if enough of us put our mind to it and we have a definite, a definiteness of purpose, that's from, I've been reading uh, Napoleon Hill lately, a definiteness of purpose where we, we define our purpose. Uh, it's, it's definite, it's legit, it's real, it's concrete, and it's our purpose in life. And we pursue that purpose, right? And then when you bring more people onto that vision and that mission, we can really make some magic happen. So I would like to see all the free peoples, just back to that, what that freaking World Economic Forum, years 2030, I own nothing, I'm, I'm happier than ever. And they're like, I worry about the people outside the cities. They got left behind, right? They form their own self-supplying communities. That's what I want for us. I want us to live free and to escape the clutches of this tyranny. Now, there's a lot of people that are saying, that's cowardly, that's escapism. Right? I don't think it is. I think it's I think it's smart. I think we have limited time and energy on this great earth. And I think that we ought to do everything in our power to pursue the most freedom possible while we're here. And it's not escapism, it's not retreat, it's not admitting defeat. It's taking the troops and repositioning them so that we can build, so that we can grow, and so that we can leverage the strength in numbers. It's not just the lone sitting duck. We're not talking about compound style, Waco, David Koresh, Branch Davidians, right? We wanna be members of the existing community. We wanna show up to the local fair, right? We wanna have a booth at the farmer's market. We wanna be productive members of the local business community. 
for the Christians in the area. They're going to be active in the churches, right? We're going to go build value in the communities. And it's not just going to be us on our little homestead there. It's going to be a multitude of different homesteads in one given county. And then we're linked up with the intentional community and the Freedom Cell folk and the Greater Reset community in the neighboring county. And then the county on the other side of town, we link up. And we connect and we support one another. That's what we're trying to do here in Central Texas. That's what other people are doing up in New Hampshire, the Free State Project. Like, let's make it happen, ladies and gentlemen. And if this has appealed to you, if these ideas uh, are attractive for you, if you are feeling a little frustrated, a little scared, a little concerned about the tyranny and the technocracy growing in your community, in your city, I strongly encourage you to head on over to Exit and Build Land Summit. That's exitandbuildlandsummit.com where you can register absolutely for free and you can take part in November 6th, Saturday. It's a November 6th on Saturday. We're going to be hearing from all sorts of experts and inspirational people about intentional community and moving outside the city. And then on November 7th, that is a paid event. November 6th is absolutely free. November 7th is paid. We're going to hear from Joel Salatin. We're going to do this intentional community speed dating. We're going to hear from a real estate broker. She's going to hold our hand, taking us through step-by-step step exactly what we need to do in order to purchase land. We're going to talk about how to make money on your property once you do have a property. Again, that's exitandbuildlandsummit.com, exitandbuildlandsummit.com. We'd love you to uh, come here and read the story and hear about what's going on and how you can be a part of this growing community of free people that are opting out of the big cities and building community in the rural places all over the earth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my name is John Bush. This is the Live Free Now show, bringing the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live free, prosperous, and healthy life. Like I said, if this appeals to you, please be a part of the summit, exitandbuildlandsummit.com, exitandbuildlandsummit.com. Peace. Thank you so much for joining. I wish you freedom and prosperity.